Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the Buster Show podcast. I'm very fortunate today because I'm joined alongside future Defensive Player of the Year NBA star, Miles Turner. Welcome to the show. Appreciate you having me, man. It's an honor. So the first thing I want to talk about here is actually Legos. Uh, I was getting a little bit of an inside look at some of your creations right before we, we got on here. But how did that sort of start for you? And do you have, you know, something you're most proud of having built? <laughs> um, I think as a whole, man, it's just a way me and my father bonded when I was a kid. We used to put, put together um, some Lego projects, these things called bion- uh, Bionicles, like, um, it was real random, but it's just something we did, like Hot Wheels, putting together like racetracks, stuff like that. And as I got older, it just became a hobby of mine. It's just somewhere to, you know, it's just something that keeps me out of trouble. Um, you know, it really isn't much to do, you know, in, in Indianapolis as much, especially this year with the, with the COVID restrictions. And um, yeah, it's just something that just takes a lot of patience, takes a lot of time. And, you know, it's just really rewarding what you've done, you know, seeing all the stuff that goes into it. So um in particular i probably think my favorite one is probably the death star probably took the most time it took a um it was real iconic because i'm a huge star wars fan so as you're putting it together you see like scenes from the movie and all that kind of stuff so um you know it's definitely an acquired taste but i love it i love that have you dove into any of the architecture sets yet i've done a couple i did the uh i did the eiffel tower one um i'm looking to do some of the skyscraper ones that are coming out and there's the um uh the um, uh, what's it called? The, the the big Colosseum in Greece. That one has oh, like. Oh, I didn't most even know stuff. they made that. Yeah, no, I haven't done it yet, but it has the most pieces out of any Lego collection. I think it's like really? eight thousand pieces or something like that. So I'm looking forward to doing that one too when I spare time. If you could create, I know you have a relationship with Lego, but if you could create your own set of anything, whether it be a place, you know, maybe you know the the arena, or if you could have any Lego set of anything. What would it be? Um, maybe my high school. You know, my high school is actually, you know, it's funny. It was at an originally a community college. So it's like a huge campus. And um, I think it's a real, it's a real staple, like where I'm from. You know, people know where Euless Trinity is, huge football school. Um, you know, I think that that'd be pretty cool. That would be super dope. Yeah, that's fun. Speaking, speaking of collectibles, I have a, a collectible question for you. I know you know, you sign for Panini and you have all of your cards. Have you paid any attention to sort of that market and how crazy it's gotten? Yeah, bro. You know, it's funny, you know, pre, pre-COVID, um, when we're traveling, you see so many people outside of our hotels or sometimes they'll be outside of restaurants, or, you know, popular restaurants in the city. Man, I had somebody, like, it was kind of creepy, actually. Like, I went to go to the mall one year. I think it was like my third year. I hopped in an Uber and there's a guy behind me hopped in an Uber and followed me all the way to the mall and like sitting asked for an autograph. I'm just like, man, this is like, it's literally like their lifestyle. You know, how we be going through training camp, how we be practicing every day. It's literally, that's, yeah, it's like their grind, bro. So it's, it's incredible how much of a, you know, a market that is, you know, so many people are into that. And, um, you know, it's who's to say that, you know, you get a rookie card of Miles Turner, then, you know, 20, 30 years down the line is worth, however many amount of dollars and you know but that person had to like fight to get that thing signed or whatever at at the moment so um it's not something i'm particularly into per se but you know that market of things is incredible so off of that question uh, i want to ask what do you think the most a miles turner basketball card has ever sold for if you had to just guess 
throw out a number. Oh, man, I'm pretty young into my career. So maybe like, maybe like 20K, possibly. That's how that's oh, the so highest I'll go for right now. You're familiar with the market. You know, you know, because sometimes people will say like $10. <laughs> oh, no, bro. Like, the, I know like cars and yeah, like you go know. for hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars and whatnot. So, yeah. Yeah. So your flawless one of one rookie card, I think it was very undervalued, but it was sold for almost 10000 and that, that that sold in Asia not too long ago, but mm. I, I think that is also incredibly underrated for a future, you know, defensive player of the year. So yeah, that's <laughs> early early in my career, man. So we'll see what happens. That's super funny. Speaking of things that you've signed, I heard a story that you once signed a baby. Is that <laughs> is that fact or fiction? <laughs> no, that's a fact. Um, it, it's it's funny, you know. I, I felt very uncomfortable doing it, but. You know, the mom was very adamant about it. And see, it's one thing. If it was a dad asking me to do it, I would probably be like, eh. But it was a mom asking. So I was like, I mean, I guess. I mean, you know, I, I feel like, imagine that. Like, if you're a dad and you bring home the baby and it's time my basketball player, like, what would your wife say? But the wife does. It's not really much a dad can say. It's like, eh, okay, whatever. I need to do your thing. But, no, it was really weird, man. It's just, um, you know, I think Indianapolis is such a, a cult following for basketball that it's not the, probably not the craziest thing that, you know, has happened to me. <laughs> That's incredible. Was it a Sharpie or how do you even go about that? It, it was a blue Sharpie. Yeah, bro. I just, <laughs> I just ran, ran the forehead, Ricky Bobby style. <laughs> that's, that's gotta be about as crazy as it could possibly get. So shout out to that mom for asking you to sign her baby. <laughs> that's funny. I, I want to talk about your, uh, your college days. I know you went to, um, you know, UT in, in Austin uh, I'm actually, I'm a huge fan of Austin. I'm actually going back to Austin to spend another month there next week. Nice. Um, what, what, what about, you know, that school made you decide to want to go there back then? Bro, I loved it, man. I actually just recently bought a house out there and like, it's just, it's home for me now. I love it down there. Um, it's just one of those places where it's just, I honestly can't describe it. It's just like, you have to see it for yourself. I feel like people try to describe Austin all the time. It's always weird. You know, it's just, it's, it's a great city, but you'll never really get the full spectrum of it until you get there. I think what really did it for me was the city. You know, I went on my visit and I had never really been to Austin before. I kind of just like driven through, but you know, they had a really good team the year prior to me going there. And I think that, you know, adding me into it, we would have, you know, uh, we could have like had opportunity to, to get even better. Um, I love the campus and I love the idea of being a Texas kid. You know, I, you know, I grew up in, in Dallas and, you know, having that Texas connection after basketball was something that my mom was very adamant about. She was saying that, you know, no matter what you do, if you're a Longhorn, you know, everybody knows, you know, what this means. Everybody knows, right. um, has like a Longhorn next all across the world. You never knew what, know what connection you can make, you know, when, once you're done playing basketball or, you know, once you get your degree or anything like that. So, that was another um, factor that went into it as well. And I think once I got there, man, I just fell in love with it. You know, it was just um, one of those things where I just, once you know, you know. That's awesome. Also, hats off to you for buying real estate there. That is an incredibly booming market. Literally the number one place that people are moving to from California right now. Oh, bro, it's unreal. I was just talking to my, my financial guy and I literally, like, I got into it during quarantine, like this, this past, uh, in 2020 when it, when it was just going. And um, like now, like as of right now, there's like no real estate in Austin, like whatsoever. Because you said everybody's moving and like inflation's up 20 to 30%. So like I got it like just in time. 
Well done. Well done. And for, for those that don't know Austin, or even for myself, you know, going back, I know it a little bit, but are there any hidden spots, whether it be food or, you know, parks to go to that you really recommend? Barton Springs is my personal favorite for mm -hmm. I run there and then, you know, we'll jump in the water and run, run back. But are, do you have any personal hidden gems in Austin? Um, Barton Springs is dope. I love, I, I do love it out there because like the, the natural spring water, whatnot. Uh, Mount Zion is really cool. Mount Bonnell. Um, I love, love going outdoors and hiking and whatnot. So I actually live in a, in a city called Lakeway. Lakeway is like right on Lake Travis. So there's a lot of like little like uh, cliff diving spots, stuff like that out there. Due to con contractual reasons, I can't actually cliff dive, but you know, um, there's a couple like cool <laughs> spots out there where you watch some guys do it. Um, as far as food is concerned, bro, like it's, it is a who's who, like there's so many, so many places I haven't even discovered yet. You know, I like it's, you know, once I'm there in the off season, there's only so much I can eat just to keep myself in shape. But I guess some of my favorite cheese spots is like Franklin's barbecue. That's insane. Like one of the best barbecue spots I've ever had. Um, if you actually go a little bit more south, you go to Lockhart, Texas, that's like the barbecue capital of Texas. Um, and as far as just, just, just being in the city, bro, like just, there's so much you can find, bro. Just like being downtown, just going onto the outskirts. And, you know, it's just, a, like I said, a who's who. Love that. Speaking of your diet, how strict is your diet as a as a future defensive player of the year? <laughs> um, I think for me personally, bro, um, if I like, I can if I go a day like eating bad, then I automatically feel it. You know, for me, uh, my first couple years in the league, I didn't really take the eating aspect serious. When I was nineteen, twenty years old, you know, at that age, you pretty much eat whatever you want, and it doesn't affect you. My third year really started to affect me. I started to slow down. I wasn't. I started to get a little more out of shape. I was gaining weight. So I have a chef that literally is just, you know, 24, 24-7. She travels with me wherever I go. Like when I was doing the USA stuff, she went to China with me. We you know if she if I go to Austin, she goes to Austin with me. If you're in India, she's in India with me. She goes wherever I go. So it's a very strict diet. You know, she's actually she's a nutritionist as well. So um she knows everything that's going in and out of my body. That's amazing. So what do you do you subscribe to, you know, like anything particular, like keto or no bread, no sugar? Like what, what are, what are your main, you know, differentiators between the average American diet? Um, you know, it's not too different, bro. I think one thing my chef is good at is she's like last night, I was like, I love the, like the chicken sandwich, like the Popeye chicken sandwich, right. chicken sandwich. She has a way of making like unhealthy stuff healthy, you know, whether she air fries That's some stuff power. or she, yeah, it's definitely a superpower. Um, but nah, as far as like the, the stuff that she does, bro, like if there's anything I want or if I'm craving, she can make it as healthy as possible. And that's like what makes it easy for me. So I don't have to do the keto. I don't have to go full vegetarian or anything like that. I think, I, I guess like one thing I do is like, I, I try to stay away from dairy. I don't really eat anything yeah. dairy based or, um, you know, lower carbs. You gotta have some carbs as much as we burn, as much as we play, but stay away from us, like all the bready stuff. But for the most part, bro, I, I pretty much eat whatever I want as long as you know I do it in moderation. That's awesome. It's that slow compounding of eating slightly healthier than everybody right. else that that adds up over time. That personal chef, that is that's goals. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think that that's incredible. Um, now, when when you look at you know getting yourself ready for every game, how much of um, you know preparing yourself before the game? Uh, practice aside, do you contribute to diet versus working out? It's a definitely even balance because for someone like me, and you know, I play 30, 40 minutes a game, so I'm constantly burning, burning, burning. So I have to be able to replenish and eat a lot. 
Whereas if I'm injured and I'm not playing that much, you know, I'm not working out as much. Um, I probably go from like four meals a day to like, to like to three or, or sorry, like five meals a day to like to three or, you know, I don't eat as much as I would in one sitting. So it's definitely a balance that you have to, to keep. You know, I, the, I wear like this, they gave us these rings right here in the, in the bubble. It's called an aura ring. And mm. it's kind of cool because it tracks like, you know, you're like, almost like a Apple watch, something like that. It just tracks how much how many calories you burn, cat tracks your sleep. So having that kind of data kind of helps to know what I'm putting in my body and what's coming out and what, what more I need to put in my body and whatnot. I'm the biggest believer in gamifying health. Like from the sense of like it, for anybody that has, an, I don't have mine on now, but I wear one while I work out every day and just seeing those rings slowly get filled, just having that like dopamine hit from the thing like turning bright red when you fill the full ring, I mm-hmm. think is, I, I really think that for anybody who hasn't tried that yet, it can be a real game changer in terms of getting healthy and, and things of that nature. So it's very fulfilling, man, just be able to just to know that you it's really you versus you. You know, you're pushing yourself and whatnot. And once you get that reward, it's just uh, you know, it's worth it. Like pretty much everything um, in terms of you on the court now, how much how do you are there any like little mental things that you do with yourself? You know, to you know, obviously we we saw what Michael Jordan does through the last dance documentaries. Do you have any of those things that you'll tell yourself or things that you'll use as motivation? Uh, do you have anything like that? Um, honestly, people start talking shit. That's my favorite thing. Like, really? Ever. Like when people start talking noise to me or I hear the crowd or other teams, that gets me in the zone. And I think the problem with me is the fact that like it takes someone to push me to get to that zone. Like I, I can't just like make myself get there. But as soon as somebody starts talking that talk or, you know, I hear somebody in the crowd, like I'm automatically there. Like it's just – uh, I don't know what it, it's always been like that. Like when I was in high school, I didn't know this until like, you know, I was out of high school, obviously. My mom used to pay kids from other schools, like other teams, like fans to come and talk shit to me, like during the games or before games. And I had no idea, but it's, and it made me play better as a result. And that's the kind of like, I mean, I haven't gotten to my family dynamic yet, but like my mother is a very, very competitive woman. And like, that's, where I get a lot of my drive from in a sense, but she'll do whatever it takes to win. And, you know, that's, that's a perfect example of it right there. <laughs> I've never heard of something like that before. That's a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> that is insane. Yeah, yeah. What, one thing that I've never understood from a fan perspective about heckling is I don't think I've heard of a single example where heckling a professional athlete Somebody who is literally top 0.0001% of players in said sport actually impacts them negatively. If you're at that level, like if you're at the level that you're at, heckling's only going to motivate you. It's only going to make you better, not worse. Therefore, I don't vouch. I'm, a, so like, I'm personally a Knicks fan. You know, mm-hmm. haven't had much success in the last 45 years. But that aside, you know, I don't understand Knicks fans heckling players from other teams because it's only like you said it's only going to motivate them <laughs> to do better right i think that's just a it's just a result of fans rejecting their own secure their own insecurities on other players you know the fact that like so my dad's a knicks fans too so it's the same thing like their team he knows the team's not that good but you know if i can get in this other player's head or if i can say this or there's other people around me say something to make myself feel better or make myself look cool you know you're gonna go for it but that's not like you said. Like it's it does the adverse effect. Like it, it 
hypes us up more than anything. Now, what's what do you think the difference? Like, obviously, you know, a comment from some random Joe Schmo in the crowd is different than like LeBron saying something to you. Um, how do you how do you sort of take those two things differently? And do does one fuel you more than the other? Does one you act? Do you think about what a player says as opposed to what a fan says? How do you sort of look at that dynamic? It just depends. I think that. Honestly, I think it depends on the, on the dynamic where you're at. If it's fans, like, it's to be expected. You know, it's it's like – it's just another day at the job. But when there's another player, especially another player that's guarding you or you're guarding them, then it gets a little more personal. Like, it gets to the point where you're just like, oh, man, you know, for the hell with these plays or the hell with what coach is saying. Like, I'm, I'm coming at you. And, and it's it, on one spectrum, it's like, you know, teams try to do that on purpose to try and get in your head and try and make get you off your game. But on the other end, like a player like me, that gets me into my game. It makes me makes me better. It makes me want to play harder. So, you know, it just kind of depends on how you look at it. Hmm. Now, obviously, without mentioning players, is there anything crazy that you've ever heard said on the court to – it doesn't even have to be to you, but to another player that, you know, maybe they weren't mic'd up that day and, and we didn't hear? Um. Man, nothing I can say on this podcast, but uh, <laughs> um, I've definitely heard some crazy stuff, bro. It's funny, bro. Like, I've heard the craziest stuff is what players say to refs, bro. Really? And sometimes, sometimes the refs hear it, sometimes they don't. But if the, if the refs heard half the stuff that players saying, like on the bench or during the game, like you get find a lot, of, get find a lot of money, and especially now with the mask. You know, nobody can really see what we're saying, but it's oh. it's crazy, but. I think to me personally, like that one thing I always get, I think that gasses me up is when someone calls me soft or when someone calls me the B word. I love that because like, because like I've heard the whole soft label, you know, you, you know, I'm seven foot, but I shoot threes and, you know, I shoot jumpers, this and that. I've heard that my entire life. So whenever I hear that, it just gets me, it reminds me of like my childhood or it reminds me of like what it took for me to get to that point. So that gets me going. And then this person, like from, from Aber's perspective, it's like when you get called the B word, it's like, Oh, first of all, mama ain't raised no, you know, so like <laughs> that's when that's when it's time to get going. You feel me? So I don't know, man. It's just kind of just little stuff like that. I, I, that's great. So how, off of that, how much of the game do you think is mental versus physical and being able to like push? Oh it? man, bro, the game's got to be at that. Know, I say it's, I say it's eighty-five percent mental, ten percent skill, and five percent luck. That's what I, I that's that's pretty much the way it comes. Is that the math? Is that math right? Yeah. I say yeah, eighty-five percent mental, ten percent skill, and five percent luck. Bro, it's so crazy how like if you miss a couple shots, how much it can destroy like your whole demeanor, your whole mood. Like you miss a couple shots and like you're thinking about that for the next three or four or five possessions, or it messes up your you then you like miss a read on defense. Or if you make a couple shots, then all of a sudden you're playing defense better, you got more energy, like you're more into it. And if you can train your mental to, like, just to move on to the next play mentality, next play mentality, like, that's huge. And let's not even talk about, like, what we're talking about with fans. Like, if you're on your Twitter or you're on your Instagram and people are constantly heckling and talking noise, you know, that can mess with your mental as well. It's like, oh, damn, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. Or maybe I'm not supposed to be doing this. It's easy to spiral and get to a dark place, bro. And, like, it affects so many people. You know, now, especially um, – Nowadays, where we talk about more mental health more than anything, you know, like it's it's huge. Even when we weren't talking about that kind of stuff, people we were just having to deal with this behind closed doors and just find a way to 
play through it. Like, cause we get paid to do this. We get paid millions of dollars to do this and this and that, but in the day we're all human beings. A hundred percent. And I, I think, I, I think things are, you know, hopefully slowly getting better and better as that conversation, you know, gets brought even, even further to light. But I, I think those are a, a lot of really good points. Also something that's interesting, you know, like even in my, like, you know, little like YMCA games and stuff like that, you know, I'll, I'll even feel that. So obviously I can imagine at the NBA level, but the interesting thing with that is like, as somebody who watches that on TV, I, I don't think about, you know, if some, if X Nick misses four shots in a row, like I can care less, you know, mm-hmm. it's just about the, the result at the end. So also being able to put that, that, you know, hopefully one game, you know, and, and winning that game as that, end goal above all else. So mm-hmm. I, I want to ask, because I'm really curious about this, because I think like these sorts of things are, are super applicable um, to sort of, you know, the stuff that, that every, everybody's doing. Yeah, it's funny. Back, backlight can be it's worse. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a- <laughs> it's starting to get dark. It's like starting to get dark. I want to I can see you fine. Or you could try it. Yeah, that's better. (laughs) Um, But uh, what was I going to say? Oh, I think it's applicable to, you know, what people do in anything, because no matter what they're doing, if they're, you know, if they have a couple bad meetings in a row, that would be the equivalent of a business person having a couple bad shots or a couple bad games in a row. What do you do to trick yourself out of that um, to move on to that next play? Um, I think that, you know, before the games, after the games, I got a very good circle around me. So those are really the only people I take advice from, in a sense. Like, it's easy to take advice from, you know, another player or, you know, someone someone on Twitter or an analyst on TV that gets paid to talk nonsense about you. You know, like, when you have people that genuinely care about you and your success, like, those are the only people you should be taking advice from, in my opinion. So that helps me. And... I started like on the court next play mentality. The fact that listen, like I, I missed this shot, but I know I'm gonna make the next three, three or four, five shots I make. So if you go into it with that mindset, you know, if anything you manifest it, it's gonna get better, better, better as you go. But if you go into like, damn, I missed this shot, like I'm probably gonna miss the next one too. Then you're more likely you're gonna miss the next one. Like it is what it is. So um, you you have to have a positive mentality at all times, man. Like it's just you know you could be going. You, I mean, I've had nights where I've shot like one for 10 or, you know, two for whatever, like, but I've made my impact known somewhere else. Like I played, played my ass off on defense or, you know, right. I made a huge play at the end of the game or this, this and that, like that's how you have to approach it. If you, if you keep thinking about constantly about the past and what you haven't done, it's going to negatively affect the outcome of the game and your game. Totally. Now coming into the league, was there anybody in particular you were looking forward to, you know, testing your skills against? You've seen them on TV. You've been following them for years. Either A, you want to figure out if they really live up to the hype, or B, you're just excited to play against them. Did you have anybody like that when you were first getting into the league? To be honest, bro, not really. I think when I first came in the league, you know, like I said, I was 19 years old, and I was just so bright-eyed and bushy-tailed that like everybody was like nice, bro. Like I feel like. When I first started playing, I remember this like to the day, to the T, and it's funny because you know I'm in Charlotte right now, but uh, Charlotte had Marvin Williams, and I'd never really heard of Marvin Williams before. Like I've I kind of heard of him before, like maybe like as a role player, but like he, I had to guard him my, my like my first year, and I was like, okay, whatever, Marvin Williams, I got this, it's gonna be easy. 
Bro, when I tell you, he probably gave me like 30, like just slipping screens and just, just running the floor and hitting all these threes. I got benched like, like my fourth, fourth or fifth game. And it was the people that I've never heard of before that gave me the most fits. Now, you have like your stars, like your KDs, your LeBrons, like you know what to expect. But from the guys that's like you're playing 2K, and it's like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm subbing him out. Like I need somebody else. Right, he's got and, you, and then you, right. right, right, right. But then you actually play him in real life. It's it's insane. Like even coming to the training camp, like our 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 center was Jan Mahimi, and I knew Jan because he had won a championship in Dallas. I've seen him with the Spurs, but I never really thought Jan was like like that good of a player. I just knew he was like an energy guy. When I came to training camp, he was busting my ass. Like just just simple stuff, like just. Right-hand jump hook, little mid-range jumpers, rolling, rebounding, like everything. So that was more of a biggest shock to me than anything. It's coming to the league and, you know, playing against guys that, you know, as as a casual fan, you're just like, like, who the hell is this guy? Like, that was probably, like, the biggest shock to me. That's super interesting. I've heard a couple of people say that Steven Adams is the strongest player in the NBA or, you know, just, like, the most – like, the biggest handful, I guess, on the defensive end. It, mm-hmm. you do you vouch for that or have you seen other people or would you say that you know apart from yourself of course <laughs> no Steven Steven that was definitely like one of the strong one of the strongest if not the strongest players in the league and it's funny because he's actually like a nice a great dude like, <laughs> I couldn't imagine if he was like you know like mean or like an asshole or someone like that like if yeah. he just had like a different mentality like he would probably be like scary you know what I mean but really like nice guy yeah, no, he's, he's he's dope. Like he's he's a good dude. Like he's just funny. I mean, he's one of those guys that talk mess during the game, but then laugh about it and stuff like that. But he's really strong. Like you can't you can't really move him off his spot. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, so I, I want to ask more about uh, your mom because that story is so incredible of her paying people to heckle you. Yeah. How did you not know about that at the time? Also. I just think that it was so, you know, in, in, in a high school arena, everything's so close-knit, so close-quartered. Like, right. it was just like a, it was just an opposing fan. I just thought it was just like, you know, I'm, I'm a very well-known player. I was number two player in the nation. Like, people knew who I was. So I thought it was just like just other people just talking mess, trying to get me out of my game. And it was like, eh, whatever, you know, it's just, it's just another game. But, bro, like, my mom will do anything to win. Like, we'll have family game nights, and she'll – find somehow some way to to win it's it's hilarious it's just what she does man like she's just my dad can care less if he wins like he's competitive in his own ways but like to him it's like oh whatever it's just a game or what it's never just a game my mom like we're we're cooking like we're playing tic-tac-toe we're we had we used to play the Wii sports whatever like that like she's trying to win no matter what like no way fans or buts about it and when I was a kid I always thought it was OD I was like mom like come on like just chill out it's just a game but it was it was never just a game to her. And that mentality is what's why the reason she was so successful in the stuff that she did in life. So, yeah. <laughs> that, that Wii Sports competitiveness, by the way, that's a different, that's a different toughness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you guys doing tennis or baseball or bowling? What was it? Bowling was like our go-to. That was the one that was fun, like the most fun. But then um, we also have, what was the other one? Oh, man. Boxing. That's what it was. The Wii Boxing. Yeah. That's another one that was really competitive, too. I remember when remotes would be thrown because the straps weren't on all the yeah. way. <laughs> Have you tried Oculus yet? I haven't, bro. Like, I, I did some of the PlayStation VR, and, like, I have, like, I, I get bad migraines and stuff like that and headaches and all that stuff, so I try to stay away from that just because I've had, I've had quite a few concussions up in the league. But 
yeah, I try to stay away from all that kind of stuff because it's like a whole different realm. Of, I don't know, different world. <laughs> yeah, it it can be a little scary at times, you know, because of mm-hmm. the immersion. Very Black Mirror-esque, if you've ever seen the show. <laughs> oh, I love Black Mirror. I've seen every episode. <laughs> Your favorite? Um, I would probably say Black Museum, just because I did not see the ending coming, how it, how it turned out. That one was really good. Um, I like the one where was it was it was it white bear, polar bear, white bear, something like that. Like she was she had like people following her all like the entire episode with phones and stuff, and like she had no idea why and at the end she was on like trial for something. That one was dope. Um yeah, bro, there was I can go on and on and on. Like I love Black Mirror because of how the really social either the dating one was my favorite or the social mm-hmm. media one. Both right. because of how scared I mean they're all you know odd like alternate universe realistic but those two the social media one in particular i mean that's literally a combination of like four different apps oh is that like the one with the score the score or whatever yes, you would get a yeah. score as you went along mm-hmm. in life and the dating one which was uh you would click a button and then you would get matched with somebody for a certain oh amount for however long yeah in, like, a bubble and then uh-huh. you know they you yeah you gotta either break the rules or follow along Crazy. But bro, it's insane because like it's crazy how how real some of that stuff is. Like the social media stuff, that stuff actually happens like in China. Like they have like scores. Like if you don't have a, like a good enough score, you can't walk into this building. Like that's really going on right now in the real world. Like it's insane. I mean, we have that with Uber. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Every I didn't driver, think about it like that. Yeah. Every driver has a rating. Every person who gets it, I have like an Uber Eats score. Like when I order food, they like rate we rate each other it's the same thing it's right. just like micro but when that i mean i guess like college is a, is a form of that like you have your gpa mm-hmm. like that's right that's sort of like a like the educational form of that but mm-hmm. it's really interesting when you apply some of those things uh to the real world mm-hmm. how do you how do you limit your social media time because that's something that particularly with you know, the pandemic or, or do you not? Is that something you want to do? No, it's something that I did in the past. Um, I think in years past, like I, I had to take a break. Like I would just delete the apps off my phone and just, just, just chill out, chill on it for a little bit. But it gets to a point where like, especially now like in the pandemic, like we're not allowed to leave the hotel rooms. Like there's not, I mean, the hotel as a whole, not much you can do. Like it just becomes like part of, part of who you are, part of your branding. So it's almost like you have to do it. So I think for me personally, I just kind of try and stay away from like the whole basketball side of things. Like I was never really into TikTok and all that kind of stuff. My little sister finally convinced me to get one. And like now, like it's hilarious. Like I love this, like it's a time waster. So somebody could do that and not, you know, hear about basketball and not hear about, you know, comments or anything like that. So that or my Snapchat where it's like it's private. Like I don't have it like as a actual like a public profile. It's just my boys and, you know, people that follow me and whatnot. So it's easy just to do stuff like that. So I kind of just limited by, you know, not delving into the whole basketball or the Miles Turner world. It's more so just a, like I'm a normal civilian. Yeah, I think the, um, the you know, something that you, you know, I know you do just from talking with the Lego stuff, but I, I think hobbies have never been more important. Um, so like being able to, I think utilizing social media for non-career interests is the most underrated use of social media. Like for me, mm-hmm. I'm super into sports cards and things like that. So utilizing mm-hmm. social for that world of things, whereas you know there is that for everybody. I actually know a really cool guy 
I'm going to send you something afterwards, but he made me custom like Lego figures, like for okay. different like outfits that I wear. He's dope. He does like custom stuff. You would like That's him. Sick, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think social is really, really good for, for those sorts of things. Apart from Lego, is there anything particular like hobby wise that you're, you're really into that gets you excited these days? Um, I just, just learned how to do a Rubik's cube. You know, that's one thing that was kind of cool. Yeah, I started just playing around with that, trying to figure out how fast I can do it. Like, my fastest is, like, uh, like two minutes and 15 seconds. So just trying to get faster and faster, get better with it like that. Um, puzzles, like, actually, like, just 1,000-piece puzzles, 2,000-piece puzzles, putting stuff together like that. Um, what else? Um, I'm never, I've never really been a big reader. Like, I only, I only read because I had to when I was younger. and I was doing advanced courses. Parents made me read in the summertime, all that kind of stuff. But... I'm starting to get back into that that a little bit more. Um, outside of that, bro, not too much. Like, not too much goes on. Like, I really just just real low key kind of guy, bro. Just I like what I like, and you know, I, I'm not very, I'm not very extroverted. I'm only extroverted when I need to be. I'm pretty introverted. I kind of like to do my own thing. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you know, being able to turn that on and off, you know, like on the court, for example, is it's really. It's really important. So what, what, what are you most excited about right now? Is it the, the, you know, ongoing season, um, pushing forwards? I know, um, you know, there's, you could end up being an all-star this year. So that's gotta be pretty exciting. Um, obviously pushing for defensive player of the year, pushing for, you know, the playoffs. What, what is at like the top of your, you know, hierarchy of things that, that gets you excited right now? Um, I think for me, bro, it's just my own personal goals. Like I said, I came into this season and really wanted to make an impact on the defensive end of the floor. You know, something I've done in the past, you know, I've, I've blocked shots in the past, but, like, that's not enough. You know, I want to show what else I could do. You know, obviously I'm leading the league in blocks right now, but, you know, there's yeah, so much more. Margin, I might add. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, um, but there's so much more, like, to my, my defensive prowess. You know, I feel like I'm able to guard the perimeter. I'm able to guard pick and rolls. Like, I anchor my own team's defense. There's a, there's a huge difference between when I'm on the floor and when I'm not off the floor. I mean, when I'm on the floor and when they want to run off the floor with our defense. So um, I had a lot of defense aspirations this year. You know, obviously offensively, I'm, I'm talented enough into the end of the floor. I'm going to find ways to score. That's always who I've been. But um, defensively is where I'm locked in right now. And I think the biggest goal for me was, just, like I said, defensive player of the year, cracking all the all defensive team. It's just – and just being myself at that, you know, and like I and what I tell people is like, yo, if that's not good enough, then, you know, the hell with it. I know I can go. I know I went out and did what I had to do. And, you know, people around me and people around the organization know like what I bring to the table. So, you know, that's just trying to bring it out on a broader spectrum now. Totally. I saw you responding to a tweet that was like some random, you know, arbitrary list of players, um, you know, that, that you weren't included in. How do you sort of look at, you know, being uh, underrated? Does it, do you think it just sort of comes with the territory of playing in Indiana or do you think it, how do you sort of look at, at that? Yeah, I, th I just think that I've, I've always been underrated, bro. Like even when I was in high school, you know, college, this, this, and that, blah, 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 blah. Like people throw their projections on me, like, or he's, he's this, he's that. But like, you know, I, I just don't care anymore. I feel like that's like that was the biggest, most liberating thing for me this summer was, you know, I I got to a great place mentally, and it's carried over into my play and carried over into how I approach things. So, um, 
as far as like responding to that list, like I just saw it was like a slap in the face because it's like, you know, it's only 10, 15 games, but it's like, you know, I'm leading the league in blocks, like I said, by a large margin. You know, I, I have huge defensive win shares. I'm doing this, this and that. And to not even like be in the conversation, like I had to, you know, talk, I had to talk my own talk. You know, if no one's going to talk about me, no one can, you know, gas yourself up or no one can put you on like you, like you can yourself. So that, you know, went a little, went a little viral and went out there. Um, yeah, like it wasn't, I wasn't even planning on to do that. It was just like a, a way of just like saying like, hey man, like I'm here too. Like I'm doing everything that you're talking about these players doing, I'm doing that better, if not at the same margin. And it, a lot of it does come with playing in a smaller market and playing in Indiana. Like we don't get as much national coverage. You know, we haven't got out the first round of the playoffs. So there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. Also, the thing, well, A, it's much better to be underrated than overrated because, you know, you're always exceeding expectations. You're, you, know, you know, if somebody actually watches your games, they're going to be like, oh, he's better than I thought. Whereas if they look at somebody else who might have been on that list, they might think the alternative. So it's much better in that sense. But the, the B side of that um, is, is just that, you know, at, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Like, and it's all, it's all like from a media perspective, right? Like I started this basketball at Hoops Asian, all that stuff. At the end of the day, all these people care about is clicks. So it's a cycle of until, you know, you are, until it's like a bold statement, putting you or not putting you. So like the best way I can put it is sometimes not including you on the list is more beneficial to them in terms of clicks. Like let's say, mm. um, like, let, let's, say let's say you're significantly better than three people, right? Mm. Doesn't matter who they are. And everybody agrees with that. And they're putting out a list and they're like, oh, how can we get the most clicks? Or let's say they, they do top five players in the NBA and they leave out LeBron. Right, right, right. It's like so get, people clicking like, well, where the hell is this guy? Da, 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 da. Yeah. You get significantly more traffic because, um, you know, they didn't include said player. So there are all these messed up convoluted ways that um, a lot of these media companies will try to get traffic onto their pages. And oftentimes it's by including certain players, like including fan favorites um, or not including fan favorites or including a player that's supposed to be there or not. And then once, if they get an overwhelming amount of hatred towards it, maybe they'll change it. But at the end of the day, the goal isn't to be accurate. Very rarely the goal is to be accurate. The goal is to get as much traffic as possible and keep people wanting to come back for more. So when, right. when you like realize all of those things, then the uh, value of what these people, the media and these people are saying about you, it just goes down and down and down. And then it's just a win-loss column, which is all that it should have been to begin with, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I'm with you. That's actually, that's such a good point. I never really, I never would have viewed it that way. Like until you just said it, but it definitely brings a different perspective to it because you're right. Like it's, if, it, if they just put what everybody wants to hear, then everybody's reading like, oh, okay, okay, whatever. But then they make some big controversy. You know, everybody has to, it's more traffic. Everybody has to click it. Everybody comments on it. It's this, this, that. You rile up a whole fan base and boom, boom, boom. So yeah, that's a great point. It's, uh, it's, it's like the classic thing that like, bad news travels faster than good news. And that's something that, you know, I hope changes in the future or like things that are wrong, like fake news travels faster than real news. Right. 
because it's that ooh ah. So it's the same. It's the same thing applied over. So like you know, that's that's just something that you know. Obviously, you're you're in like an incredible. Like you're in like the you're in like the flow state in terms of not caring. But it just like it's so real, bro. Just like not right. getting crap about what anybody thinks, no matter what they say, good or bad. Because what if right. what if like the whole media was like Miles Turner's the MVP? Would you be right. like like would you? Uh, there's something I think it was Jeff Bezos said um, that he he never wants people at the company at Amazon. This is like 10 years ago to associate their value with how the stock is doing. Because if the stock is up 20% one day, he doesn't want them to feel 20% smarter because mm -hmm. when the stock is down 10%, mm. he want them to feel 10% dumber. Right. That's a, good, that's a good point too. Wow. That I think is like applicable to everything, including mm -hmm. like the media. And I'm just, I, I love hearing you talk about all that stuff. Cause I'm, fascinated by like the I like you know obviously we both think like whoever wins in the mental game wins in the the, the physical game as well mm -hmm. I'm obsessed with that kind of stuff <laughs> it's a real thing bro yeah mm -hmm. so I, I want to ask one final question here because I know you've got to run um if you could give your your rookie yourself one piece of advice what would you go back and tell yourself? Or, or you can go back further if you want to. Apart from buying more property in Austin, what would it be? <laughs> um, you know, I, I'll take two scenarios. Let's say I would tell my college self that, you know, things get better. You know, I think I was very, when I was in college, you know, I, I, I didn't play a lot. You know, I've only played like 18, 19 minutes a game. You know, I wasn't starting. And, you know, I wasn't getting quite the, the run that I would have wanted in a sense. So, you know, there was plenty of nights where I, like, I stayed up all night thinking, like, you know, what am I doing in my future? Like, am I going to stay here another year? You know, should I go to the draft? Am I going to go to the D League or G League? You know, um, I would just tell myself that, bro, like, if you want, if you keep putting in the work behind closed doors and you keep staying, like, to your craft, to your grind, everything's going to work out. And that's what I was able to do. You know, I was able to kind of back then just kind of just lock myself in isolation and just play, you know. And when you're eight, 17, 18 years old, like it's hard to do that. You know, it's hard to establish that mature mindset from going out there and, you know, just performing. And it's a lot of pressure for a kid. I'll probably say my rookie year, um, just to continue to, I'll probably give myself the advice of one, eating better. That's that's like that goes without saying. You know, two, not obviously not listening to the haters, blah, 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 blah. But I think the biggest piece of advice I give myself, bro, is just stay true to yourself because it's so easy to fall in with different certain clicks or fall in like to, you know, talk in a certain way or being somebody you're not. Because one thing I've learned very quickly, especially in this, uh, even just in yeah, this is in life, bro, is people can smell the real from the fake really fast. Like if you're somebody and pretend to be something you're not, people are going to call it, the real ones are going to call you out. And two, like, you just look like a jackass who's just, like, trying to be something that you're not whatsoever. Like, I know who I am. Like, I'm a nerdy kid from Bedford, Texas. I'm not from, like, I'm not from the hood. I'm not from, you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't come from a background where, you know, I, I had to struggle. I had to come out here just to make it, just to eat and stuff like that. Like, I know who I am, like, in a sense. And if I ever tried to flip that and play that card, you know, people who are really from that would, you know, feel that right away and be disrespected. Because it's like, who are you to come out here and try to fake the stuff that I've really lived my entire life, you know? So I think that's one thing that I never really struggle with, but 
I thought that I had to do to try to fit in. You know, I had some guys in my locker room who I had, to, I thought I had to try to act cool in front of or to try to, you know, be something that I wasn't just to get respect. And whereas people respect you more so when you own, you know, who you are, own yourself and continue this to play. So, yeah, that's probably the biggest piece of advice I would say is to stay true to yourself. Man, that's, that's some real, real advice right there. Where can, I, where can people find you best on social? On social, I'm probably on Instagram the most. Just turn underscore miles, really easy. Miles with a Y. I don't know why. To this day, it's my it's my six year in the league. People still spell my name wrong, but it's M Y L E S. <laughs> but uh, yeah, bro. Like I don't I don't really get on Twitter as much as I used to. I read every now and then to keep up with some like news or whatnot. But on Instagram the most. Dope. Well, everybody, go follow Miles here and uh, vote for him for All Star when you can. My man, appreciate it. Appreciate you, boss.